So my name is Chris Doris. The fortunate thing for me is I know most of you, so that makes this a pretty comfortable spot. Um, Pat asked me a couple months ago if I'd come speak. I said, sure, of course. Uh, so the interesting thing is I was then tasked with the task of figuring out what I'm going to speak on. So I don't get to come in and give like a series of things to expound on, unpack over time. I get one 30 to 90 minute session to come in here. Yeah, the jokes are for me, make me feel more comfortable. If you could, I'm a dad, so I'm okay with lame jokes, just like a fake laugh, haha. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be something somewhere between 30 and 90 minutes. To come in here and give you guys just a quick word. I get to come in here, uh, and so I want to just speak on something simple. It's going to be something that you all know. I'm not trying to blow your minds. I'm not nearly smart enough to do that anyway. Um, and Jesse actually set me up last week when I was preparing. And if you remember, Second Peter, here's in Second Peter 1, Second Peter 1, 15, Second Peter 1, 13 says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live. So I'm going to give the exact same message that Jesse gave last week. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I did prepare something. Um, and it's in Second Peter 3, so you can go ahead and turn there now. Uh, Jesse didn't know this, but he did actually give a nice segue to what I want to talk about. He was talking about newness and fresh beginnings. Um, I also want to talk about newness. We as people like new things. Uh, we, whether it's something, a tough time we had in the past and we're looking forward to something new, something better than we had in the past. Maybe we didn't even have a tough time in the past, but we want to better ourselves, so we look forward to what's going to come in the future so we can have something better. We like newness. I think most people would agree that 2020 wasn't the best year of their life. As a matter of fact, most people come the end of 2020 were like, can we just get to 2021? Because everyone knows that December 31st and January 1st, when the calendar turns, everything will be just so much better. Because everyone knows the calendar is very aware of how bad this year is, and maybe we'll have a good next year. And obviously, we hope for that newness. But it's not guaranteed. Uh, I think most people would not have predicted that Texas would freeze over, quite literally. Um, so I think hoping for newness on this side of the grave is something that we can strive for. We're not, the Bible doesn't actually guarantee a whole lot of hope for newness this side of the grave. Uh, but newness is a biblical thing. Uh, the Bible talks about newness all the time. Uh, for my Southern Baptists in the room, you're buried to walk, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in newness of life. Right. So newness is is something that we see a lot of in the Bible. Um, we've actually recently entered into a a new age. Not just a new year, we're in a new age. So we had the Dark Ages, lasted for several hundred years. Age of Enlightenment is another age, lasted for several hundred years. About the mid-1900s, we entered into modernism. That lasted for like 50 years. So I don't know who decides how long these ages last. Um, doesn't seem to be like a strong correlation. But in like the 80s, we entered into postmodernism. That's where we are today. If you ask me, postmodernism isn't the greatest thing I've ever experienced. But I've been in it my whole life. So starting in the 80s, we're fully downstream postmodernism. We're fully in it. And postmodernism is, uh, there's no absolute truth. You are God. You are truth. You are your own authority. 
what works for you might not work for me. Don't, don't come over here and tell me how I should live. Like, that's great. I, I respect your opinion. I, I know that you think that's cool. It works for you. But you do that, you leave me to my own thing. So that's, that's where we are in, in, post, in postmodernism. You can't tell anybody this is true. This is, what, this is the line that we should all follow. I'd like to get out of postmodernism, but again, I don't think we're offered much hope this side of the grave. So I don't, I don't know if I, if I should look forward to something better that maybe once was. So how, how, how do we handle that? How do we live? That's what I want to talk about. How ought a Christian live in today's environment? We can't really try to persuade someone with your own truth because they're their own authority. So 2 Peter 3, I'll read the whole chapter. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the heavens were formed out of water and with water. By water also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. That was Noah. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed of which it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, Dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So this is, second, this is not Second Peter writing. This is Peter. Second wasn't his first name. Peter's writing this. Um, he's, if you remember, uh, Peter is who Jesus said he would plant his church. So I tried to look up, like, what, what church did Peter pastor? Um, and so from my research, it, it looks that he started Antioch, which we read in Acts. That's where the 3,000 people came to salvation in one day. Uh, it's like, well, some people think he might have pastored Jerusalem, but I think there's more 
understanding that James, brother of Jesus, actually passed to Jerusalem. So what I gathered is that Peter was kind of like a consultant. He would go from the church of Jerusalem to Rome to Ephesus. Uh, he was like the pastor's pastor. So here in verse 1, Jesus said, Peter said, my job, my job is the pastor. So this is a church that's looking for a pastor. Pat's job, whenever he was here, whoever's coming, his job is to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. That's the pastor's job. That's what I hope to do this morning. To stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Not to get down in all the weeds of what you think the pastor should be concerned with. Or what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Well, this is my side. This is where I'm planting my flag. I'm going to stand on my hill right here. Don't you think this is what we should do? And you might even be right. It might even be what the scripture says. But the pastor's job is to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And Jesus actually did the same thing. There's a verse in Luke, Luke 12. There's these brothers and they're arguing with each other. Their dad just died and they're arguing about their inheritance. Well, I think dad, I think you're misunderstanding this. I think dad meant to leave this to me. They see Jesus walking by and they say, Jesus, Jesus. This is Luke 12, 14. If you want to write it down and look it up. Jesus, we need help figuring out what to do with our will, what we're going to do with it. And Jesus' response was, who, who made me your arbitrator? Who made me your attorney? I, I, I don't get involved in this. Does Jesus believe in justice? Yes. But there's a much bigger picture that he's concerned with rather than getting in the nitty-gritty of where our passions and where we're planting our flags want to take us. Peter said, my job is to stimulate you towards wholesome thinking. And that wasn't the only time that Jesus was confronted with trying to be tricked and trapped into leaning one side or the other. Um, we know of the woman who was brought to be accused of adultery. Here's Jesus playing in the sand. I don't know what he's doing exactly. And the Pharisees bring up this woman who's being charged with adultery. And they say, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery. Your Old Testament says she's to be stoned now. And of course, he says, whoever has not sinned, cast the first stone. We all know the story. He doesn't get caught up in, in the little things that we are so passionate about. He understands that there's a bigger overarching message that he's concerned with and wanting to move forward more than that little thing. So again, Peter said, my job is to stimulate you towards wholesome thinking, not the half but the whole. And a lot of times what I'm, what I'm seeing is we do get really passionate about whatever it is we're trying to convey. And again, it might not even be wrong, but I, I, we're leaving a lot of Jesus out of the conversation. We're leaving a lot of Jesus behind um, and only progressing our passion. And a lot of times you might even think, well, this is righteous. Like my, my anger, my, my passion on this to, to get you to hear what I'm saying is right. Well, don't you think uh, Peter, the same guy here, would have also said that when Jesus, his Lord, the God of all creation, is being arrested in the garden, Peter's like, stop, we can't do this. I'm doing something. Unsheath my sword, swing, I... Managed to cut off this guy's ear. Right on. We're going to do this. 
I, I would even argue that's righteous anger. Like, yeah, fight to save him. And even then, Jesus is like, Peter, whoa, bud. There's something bigger going on here. And put the guy's ear back on, calm down. So wholesome thinking. Well, how do we get there? Thankfully, I have the answer to that. It's in verse 2. It's not my answer. I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Verse 2. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So the word. You want to be stimulated towards wholesome thinking? Recall the words of the Old Testament. Recall the words written by the apostles in the New Testament. If you want to be stimulated to wholesome thinking, how can you incorporate Jesus to the forefront of your mind when you're living and rocking on with your passions and planning your banner to bring Jesus back into the conversation is I think we need to spend time in the Word. <laughs> and we'll get more to that later. Uh, but I, I, would, uh, I would bet... Uh, that if I would have one-on-one conversation with you, and this is hard for me to like come in here and, but I would bet if I were to, if I were to have a one-on-one conversation with you about what stimulated your mind more this past year, just, just, just give a time frame. Um, our minds have been more stimulated by news. And conversations with people that have nothing to do with Jesus more than they've had to do with the Word of God. I think that's a problem. And I've been really convicted of it lately. Fortunate for me, I'm a new dad, and so this new creation has been brought literally into my home. And I've had to be introspective. Do I want to be a I've been given this um, job to father this innocent little baby. Whew. And like, I, I need to do that well. I don't know what I'm doing. So we, we pray for every night, like, God, give me wisdom. And I know that that wisdom's not going to come from conversations even with you guys, whom I love and respect. It's not. So I, I thank, thankful for the Lord, have been given this new like, desire to get in the Word. I'm reading through the Old Testament, and I'll admit to you, there are days where I'm like, these are just words on a page. Like what? I read three or four chapters of all the kings just rotating in and out of old Jerusalem and Judea, Judah. And, but I also believe that the word of God is useful for teaching, does not return void. Um, and I want to be stimulated by this for my own sake so that I can do the job given to me to raise my baby girl, to be a good husband, to be a good witness to the world, to my friends. So when you're squeezed, whenever you do get put in that tight corner, someone asks you that tough question about what, you, what your opinion is on the truth, you're squeezed and what's going to come out. Uh, I have a friend at work. Let's say his name is Shane. His name is Shane. Um, but you don't know him. You'll never meet him, I, I'm sure. 
Um, and we are opposites in terms of how we think. Uh, and he said a couple weeks ago to me, we were just chatting, it's one of those com- conversations when you have a meeting with someone at work and you're like, hey man, we gotta talk. Let's just vent, you know. Uh, and he said, I enjoy talking with you because, these are his words, I know we don't see, way, see the same way on things, but I feel like we can talk openly. And that meant a lot to me. Um, and I want to make sure that we are people that we don't lose our witness if we have an opportunity to witness someone who might not know who Jesus is. <clears throat> so verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. The last days. You want people to think you're crazy? Start talking about the last days. The only people that should believe in the last days are believers. If you don't believe in Jesus, you shouldn't believe in last days. And so if you start saying, hey, there's going to be some last days, and they're all going to build up to a last day. And that last day is going to be when Jesus comes back, as long as you know him, it shouldn't be that scary. If you don't know him, it should be pretty scary. Um, so 2 Timothy 3, I'll just read it real quick. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And it kind of goes on. That sounds terrible. Also kind of sounds a little bit like today. I'm not saying these are the last days. My job is not to look up some formula and post it up on the screen and be like, there we go. Our job as believers, as far as the last days are concerned, is two things. One, believe and know that it's coming. And two, to be ready for it. That's it. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. So again, two things we're supposed to do. One, know it's coming, and two, be ready for it. Scoffers, Katie asked me when we were talking about this, what's a scoffer? Well, a scoffer is anyone who just makes fun of something. It's like, ha ha, you crazy man. Last days are coming? Jesus came 2,000 years ago. They thought then that the last days were coming soon. Here we are 2,000 years later. For all I know, it could be 2,000 more years. I'm sure that there were dark days during the Great Depression. I'm sure they were like, this has got to be it, right? So I'm not saying that it is. There could be more dark days ahead. I don't know. Um, but for the Lord, 1,000 years is like a day. So why is he taking so long. God's in control of his own time. I'm in control of my own time, really, to an extent. Um, But I was marked in time. God is not. I was born May 24th, um, married March 18th, 2017. Like I I wake up, I can choose what I want to eat, whether I want to eat, what I'm going to do with my day. To an extent, I do have control over time. God also has control over time. He has all supreme control over time. He invented it. He created this, the universe, the solar system, the planets, and the sun, and it creates days and seasons and years. And one day, he's just going to stop all that the same way he started it. But until then, 
we're doing those two things. We're one, understanding that day will come when he decides to stop all of it, and we're getting ready for it. So what do we do? What does that mean? How do we get ready for it? What are we doing here, and, and why are we waiting? Why isn't he just stopping now? Heaven's a whole lot better than, than this. Why can't he just take us up now where there's not going to be any political turmoil or racial injustice or being locked down, can't travel, can't even see the world that we're living in. Why not just take us up now? Verse 9. The Lord is not slow, even though we might think he is. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So why not just end it? Maybe verse 15 also helps explain. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So why are we here? Why hasn't God ended it and swept us all up? For the salvation of others. And so I, I would even say, okay, yeah, cool, for the salvation of others. So I would even turn it inside. Aren't some of you glad that at one point, God hadn't sucked the world away. Because if he had, then you wouldn't have the opportunity to spend eternity with him. And so while we're here waiting and he keeps the world going, along with our wholesome thinking that we're achieving by spending time in the word and we're looking forward to those last days and understanding that our purpose for being here before those last days is for the salvation of others, that really gives us a purpose. Uh, so one cool thing that I've seen in the, let's keep the same time frame in the past year, is people do live with conviction now. Uh, they stand up for what they believe in. The postmodernism era might uh, help provide a path for that, because you can stand up and you can say, this is what I believe, and everyone just nods and says, cool, thanks for sharing. Not for me, but thanks for sharing. So but people do stand up and they live with conviction right now. Uh, so one way to let you know what I mean is we as people have created our pulpit. We have a congregation and we have a message. Our pulpit is our social media platform of choice. Our congregation is our friends and followers. And our message is whatever it is that we're trying to get out there. Uh, and I've, we all have, we've all seen people getting out their message. The problem is we have our pulpit, we have our congregation, we have our message, we're getting it out there. The problem is that we have no converts. Uh, maybe it's because of postmodernism. Maybe it's because words on that screen aren't just going to be like, you know what? That's the best thing I've ever read. You're just so good with words. You've made that twist and turn in a way that I actually understand now. I'm going to switch over and I'm going to believe what you believe now just because you said it so well. Romans 1.16 talks about not being ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that it is the power used by God for the purpose of salvation. The gospel. So I like that we're convicted, convinced of something. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, let's make sure Jesus joins in on our convictions. So God's being patient for the purpose of other people to come to know him. So, 
while we're waiting for the last day, in God's patience, what are, what are we to do while we're waiting? We're to grow, and I'll show you that. Verse 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by the fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. That's the kind of people you ought to be. Live holy and godly lives. So if you are a believer, then you believe that God became man. He lived his life. He was crucified for our sins, died, buried, resurrected, ascended. Sometime between that ascension and today, through God's patience, you came to know him. You were saved. You were, that's called justification, that you were saved. One day, when God ends it all, that will be glorification once you actually get to heaven. Sorry for the big words, but you were justified. One day you will be glorified. Well, what happens in between? That's being sanctified. So you're being made more like Christ each and every day to be set apart, to be set apart from what other people or what non-believers might look like, how they live, what they get passionate about, and what they uh, get fired up for. Um, The problem is our standard shouldn't be other people. Our standard should be Christ. Our, our, Our point and purpose of us being here is to be sanctified, become more and more like Christ every day. Verse 13 says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We're looking forward to that day. Because we all know that will be better than what we have here. And so I'll finish with this, the last two verses, 17 and 18. And again, you already know, (laughs) you already know all of this. Just think about it as it pertains to you. Therefore, dear friends, Since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard. 1 Peter 5.8 says be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion be on your guard why because there's a devil who's prowling around like a roaring lion trying to get you trying to get you passionate about something that wholesome thinking that we were talking about at the first how can he get you to think about the half instead of the whole how can he get you to leave Jesus out of the conversation John 10 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So be on your guard is what Peter's telling you. And verse 18 says to grow. How how do you grow? Are are we watching out? Are we watching out for what we're letting into our mind? Uh, Are things creeping in? Are we hearing a word over here in this conversation and we start leaning more over to 
how fun that is to talk about. And when I, when I talk about um, speaking the gospel and living in a manner, trying to be more like Christ every day, I'm not talking about, I don't want to leave and be like, well, how do I make the, a next cool post that'll just be scripture and maybe that will change people's minds. Like, I don't, I don't, sometimes I think we think too big for ourselves. Acts 1.8 says to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so if, if you look at the progression of things that he's saying, he's talking about Jerusalem, their hometown, and then he gets bigger, a bigger area into the whole earth. So for me, like I was talking about earlier, like in my home, I want to make sure that I'm leading an example for my daughter. She's seven months old, but I don't, I don't know at what point they start recognizing things, but I don't want to have to tell her or ask her, like, hey, did you read the Bible today? What did you, you learn from it? It's like, well, Dad, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen, what, what, ever seen you do it. Um, and then, like, you and your spouse can have this thing that bounces off of each other. It's like, I'm super encouraged by seeing you in the Word. Thanks for that example. I'll, maybe I'll join you and spend time in the Word. And maybe this person falls off, and God's given you someone to lean on and be reminded of. Maybe it's a good friend. Maybe having a friend to just ask the random question one day, like, hey, how's it, how's it going for you? You spending time with the Word? It doesn't have to be like a long conversation. Just being able to be reminded. And again, I'm bringing this up because I'm not saying that we need to go out there and try to like become the mayor of Port Natchez or Groves and Beaumont or just change the whole city. Like we, we need to start like small, even in our own home. Conquer that first. Maybe then we can meet with some friends at work or our cousins or whatever else. But I want to make sure that we're on our guard, that not letting other things of the world creep in because, and it's so easy to get fired up about all that stuff. That's what everyone's talking about. So it's kind of fun. The interesting thing, however, again, about just changing people's minds in today's postmodernism era is we're getting caught up in all the things like way down here that Jesus would avoid and say, that's not what I'm here for. And then the gospel is like way up here. And the cool thing about the gospel is the Bible says that it, inf- it informs all things. So the only thing that will change the minds and hearts of man is the gospel, not your uh, cool words. I should have asked you before. I didn't. But I am going to pick on you. Um, you're, you're in our home for years. Um, and mom, we, we, had, we had relationship together. Uh, but none of, that, none of that changed the way you thought about life or... felt the need to change your ways. It wasn't until um, you met Jesus, 
right, Donna Faye, that, that then you knew, I got to leave all that behind. All this stuff that Barbara's been telling me or maybe that my friends maybe have been saying, like, hey, this lifestyle isn't that good. It's like, yeah, probably right. I should probably shore up some things. It wasn't until the gospel comes into your life and that informs all things. Then the mind and the heart of someone's changing. It's like, we got to introduce the gospel. I can't talk to my friend Shane at work and be like, don't you think like, some of these things that you believe are not right? It's like, no, I actually do think that they're right. That's what he thinks. I'm not going to change his mind. Not only the gospel can do that. So how do, I, how do I build a relationship with him to, at some point, inject the gospel to maybe change his heart and mind? And that's not even my job. That, God takes that upon himself. So we started, started all this talking about newness, looking for something better. How can we, we, how can we be refreshed? Peter's job, my job here this morning, my whole, all I wanted to do was try to stimulate you towards wholesome thinking. That's all I really wanted to do. And I think that comes from this, not even all the stuff I said. I'd rather have just read scripture and that would probably been better than what I did. But what if 2021, not to like give some kind of yearly charge, but what, what if 2021 is our, the greatest year of growth? That, that we can have? What if we spend more time in the word? What if we spend more time in prayer with, with our significant others, with our friends, with, what if we spend more time like repenting and confessing like, man, I'm struggling with this. This is hard for me to do, to confess to you that I've been struggling with fill in the blank, but I have and I need your help to keep me accountable. What if that was what our newness looked like? And then, and then we became a people that understood that the gospel is the most important thing in our life. Even though there's a lot of stuff to talk about and get fired up about. What if we were more convinced and unashamed of the gospel, or as convinced and unashamed of the gospel as we are other things? And I'm, again, I'm charging you like in your home first. This is what I'm passionate about. I knew I had a small window to come in here and say something. And in three weeks, you might be like, what did Chris talk about? I don't really, I don't really remember, but it's, it's 2 Peter 3. And if you just remember that part, the very first verse says, all that I wanted to do was stimulate you towards wholesome thinking. And then verse 2, if you forget how to do that, is the answer. Spend time in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and let your fire and your passions be equal with the gospel. I would pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, we love you so much. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that you've given us your word for us to see you and understand you and know you through and by and with. Um, thank you that you've preserved it for us. We thank you that you've um, called us to yourself. We thank you that you've 
justified us. We thank you that we have the future to look forward to that will be glorification. And God, right now in this life, God, I pray that you just help us be more and more like you in this process that each day um, we understand that you have a purpose for us. That purpose is to love you and to make you known. Um, I pray that because of your power, we're able to do that. Because God, we're just broken people. Um, I pray that you give us the ability to further your cause. God, we love you. We thank you for this body that we get to come and enjoy the presence with. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.